All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Welcome back to this episode of Making the Argument with Nick Freitas. I'm producer Hamilton and it's my pleasure to be here with you today. Yes, while we're not all in the studio, we do have a great episode lined up for you. Just last week, Nick got to join Mock and Daisy from the Chicks on the Right podcast and had a great conversation. We're actually going to play that video back for you here today and we look forward to seeing you on Thursday. In the meantime, enjoy. Very, very excited for our this week of our Chicks on the Right deep dive with a special, special guest. You probably have heard of him. You've probably seen him. And maybe you don't know the name or the face together, but I guarantee that you've probably seen or heard one of his now viral videos on some social media platform. We have with us today the Virginia House of Delegates member from the 30th District since 2015, Nick Freitas. He's a former Army vet. Green Beret, as a matter of fact, did two tours in Iraq. He's the host of Making the Argument with Nick Freitas. And we are so, so excited to have you here. Thank you very much yes, for being thank with you us. So much for coming oh, to be with us. Completely my, my pleasure and honor. Thank you so much, both for what you guys do and, and again for the privilege of being on. Well, uh, listen, Nick, we we have seen a ton of your videos and you have this sort of magical way of taking issues and breaking them down into just a really understandable, awesome way. You get the conservative viewpoint across so, so well. And I think the video that ended up kind of like putting you on the map was about the Second Amendment. It was on your legislature floor can you talk a little bit about that very first viral moment that you had and whether you expected that it would get the attention that it did? Sure. I mean, well, first and foremost, no, not at all. I, I did not expect that. In fact, um, what had been happening is obviously their, their Parkland had, ha had taken place uh, shortly before that. And I sat on the public safety subcommittee one where we hear all the gun legislation. And so I had been hearing for weeks now how if we didn't support whatever gun control policies they want, it's because we were mean spirited and we were bigoted and we didn't care about the safety of children and um, and comparing us to terrorists, comparing us to segregationists. I mean, I, I would I just had enough. Um, I was furious at this point. I felt like we had taken this just onslaught of abuse. And um, so I decided I was going to respond and I wanted to make sure I responded in a way that I thought was intellectually consistent and relevant and actually made an argument, uh, you know, potentially things that we all agreed on. Hey, we all want children to be safer. By the same token, I wanted to explain why it was that we believed that the Second Amendment was so important and that this wasn't just about guns. This was about people's inherent right to be able to defend themselves and why we were also concerned because a lot of the arguments that we heard coming from the left 
was always around these, you know, kind of innocuous statements about common sense gun control. But then in reality, what they wanted was confiscation. And, and we, we weren't going to accept that because we didn't think it was actually going to produce the results they were promising. And so I, I gave that speech and I thought I had just, you know, given a speech that was just kind of articulating what the, you know, the viewpoint was from our perspective. And next thing I know, four members of the Democrats like got up and left the floor in tears. And then the entire Democrat caucus requested a 15 minute recess so that they could compose themselves and then come back in <laughs> the next two days. I was, I was mean. I was racist. I was ignorant. I, and I'm saying, oh my like, gosh, what did I say that would have justified any of this response? Oh and then I just kind of realized that the, the bottom line is that anytime you, you argue them into a corner where, where they can't challenge your data, they can't challenge your argumentation, their, their go-to is you're a sexist, you're a racist, you're a bigot. And they don't got to prove it. Right. You don't agree with them as justification for them making those claims. But that speech ended up um, originally the Democrats were the one that posted the speech. Um, we didn't post it originally. And all of a sudden we were, there was news articles and people calling us up and really like painting this in a negative light. And we said, okay, well, we just, we got to post the speech out there in its entirety because they were trying to, different people were trying to clip up things or claim that I said things that I didn't say. And Interesting. as soon as we posted it, it went viral. And I think to date over several different platforms, it's got over a hundred million views on social media. Oh my, oh my gosh, that is remarkable. I, so, you know, just thinking about how many people left the room and how many people were, I mean, for lack of a better word, just butthurt over that. I just, I, I don't know. I, I, this whole the gun debate, getting people to come together to talk about this um, this issue rationally in light of what happened over the past couple weeks, uh, you know, speak to that a little bit because I think a lot of us out here, parents, um, you know, just common sense people that have people who have kids, especially you know, we're moms. I have three kids. Mark has two kids and we're, you know, we look at this and we're like, listen, we look at our liberal, um, you know, people across the aisle from us. And we really do want to try to come to some sort of an agreement on this. And it's not that we want to give everything to them and just say, okay, fine, do whatever you want to do. But we do want to be able to come to the table as reasonable adults and try to, uh, to come to some sort of an agreement, give a little bit here, have them give a little bit there and just do something because at the end of the day, we all just want our kids to be safe. Right. And I feel like up to this point, we've just not been able to do that because of the reasons, you know, that you said where people just walk out of rooms and we're unable to have this discussion. Right. So I just want you to speak to that. Like what, how do you think that we can um, make gains on this? I, that's a great question. I, I think there's a couple different ways to look at this. When, when somebody first comes to you and they, they posit this question, they're usually coming from one of two directions. Either they've already made up their mind on what the solution is, and the solution is gutting the Second Amendment or, or gun confiscation, or, or really the, the gun is the problem, the only thing they want to discuss. It's going to be very difficult to have a conversation with someone like that because they've already, they've already made up their minds before anything bad happened on what the solution was. Then you're going to have other people that come right. to the table, and they're just genuinely they, – they've obviously, this is horrific. This is tragic. We, we want to do something about this. And it seems plausible to them on some level that – that the gun issue is that's that's the problem, right? Of course we have to address that. That's that's what they're thinking. I can have a conversation with that person all day long. And one of the first right. things that I will typically ask and that I've asked of my colleagues before is like, you know, when something like this happens and we all 
um, understand that we've got to do something about it. The question is, is okay, what do we, what is their widespread agreement on typically? And usually it's, it's more security for our schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is usually yes. that <laughs> yes. the average citizen. Mm-hmm. They, and, and it makes sense. Now, here's what doesn't make sense to me. The same person that is adamant, the same legislator that will be adamant about like, no, 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 gun control is the answer. Like, okay, we may not agree on the gun control side of this, but we, we both agree on more school security, right? And then I'll have some of them come back mm-hmm. and say, absolutely not. More guns in schools is not the answer. To which I look at them, I say, let me get this straight. So when a school shooting takes place, the first thing anyone does, regardless of how they feel about guns, is call people with guns to show up and stop it. <laughs> right? That's right. what we do. In, in, in That's right. what we do. So if you can acknowledge that people showing up with firearms mm-hmm. to stop the bad guy is necessary for stopping the action, why can't we have a rational conversation that it might be necessary to prevent the action from taking place? And then the second thing I like to bring up is for all this talk about like more guns is not the answer. Like, okay, let's test that theory. So on January 6th, right, we had people that that I I completely, you know, engaged in criminal activity, right? Not everybody, right? But we had people that absolutely did that, violated the law, trespassed, some of them engaged in destruction of of property, et cetera. And the solution from, from the left was, more police, more National Guard, more fences, more security measures, like instantly. That's what they did. And they had it up and, and they had it up for months. Yeah. Even when it became obvious. Yes. That there was yes. Threat. Right. It was up for months. That was their automatic solution. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to tell me now that when it's them, they recognize more security is absolutely essential. But when it's our kids, eh, no, no. You yeah. Don't do that. You don't get to do that. Right. Right. So um, what do you think is going to yeah, happen? Precisely. I mean, because we can talk, uh, we can talk all day about what should happen. Sure. What are the things that we can compromise about? Where can we find common ground? But knowing what you know about the makeup of the Congress as it sits today, what do you think, especially based on Joe Manchin's recent comments that he's like, oh yeah, we should definitely have restrictions on AR-15s and, and you know, make people have to be older to get them and all that kind of stuff. What do you think will get done, if anything? I don't know. It's difficult to say because the obviously the filibuster rules, and this is the question, right? Are they going to use this as justification to get rid of the filibuster, which you've had uh, the far left screaming about for years now? What what I find is interesting is that the moment they get rid of the filibuster and lose the Senate, they're beginning, they're going to become the biggest advocates for the filibuster you've ever seen. In your life. <laughs> totally, they, they never seem to understand these limiting principle with respect to government power. So I don't know what they're mm-hmm. going to be able to get through. Not to mention the fact that this is going to become something where if they try to get something that is is very extreme, I think you're going to see states push back on it. Right? I, I don't I don't see Texas and, and Florida and other states uh, allowing for this. So I, I think they're going to have difficulty getting anything passed on the federal level because there's also obviously the Second Amendment has restrictions with respect to what the federal government can actually do and accomplish. Um, you're going to see a lot of pressure at the state level as well. Um, and, and again, the the dangerous thing will be if this entire conversation becomes about guns and nothing else. I'm not just concerned for what that means for private gun ownership, which I think is essential for people to be able to provide for their own security. I think it's hugely problematic because we're going to ignore all of the stuff that would actually be substantive with respect to addressing the real problems. Um, And and that's always the issue when we make it about, when we make an action about the object instead of the action and the conditions which led to the action, then you're not actually getting mm-hmm. at the root of, of what we're trying to address. And so my, my hope is, is that I, I already know the left is going to push hard for gun control because that's 
they already want that, right? They wanted that before any yeah. of this happened. Um, they wanted it before Columbine ever happened, right? This oh, is yeah. A, this is a fundamental stake in what they believe. I hope that there will be enough conversation about something as horrific as this to say that, look, whatever we disagree on, we, we should not be disagreeing about whether or not we need more school security. We should not be disagreeing with respect to whether or not we institute more technology, more school resource officers, more coordination with local law enforcement, our schools. Um, all of that should be on the table. And the moment it's not, that's the part where I get very skeptical. And I've watched in the Virginia legislature, I've carried legislation, my colleagues have carried legislation on school resources officers, training, coordination. And I've watched as the same Democrat colleagues who voted against that then voted to let violent offenders out of jail earlier, right? So, right, it's uh, it's asinine. It's crazy. It's crazy that they won't protect our schools, and yet uh, all other government buildings are completely locked down and protected. It makes me absolutely crazy. And then we talked a lot on our show about you know this this notion of culture rot, which we're not addressing at all in our culture because it seems like there's such a dichotomy between the left and the right, between you know like they they're okay with the culture rock just as we saw in Dallas with like the, what was it? The drag queen show for the little kids. Like that's okay. And then we're over here. It's like, we just have a completely different mindset. So their idea of culture is so different than our idea of culture and what we think is right. And what they think is right. It's just the, just the way that everything has decayed over the past or what I've seen in my lifetime over the past 30, 40 years and how, um, fathers aren't in the households anymore. And if you look at all these school shooters and what they have in common, I mean, there's just a lot of them or the majority of them didn't have a dad in the household. And so no one's willing to sit and talk about this kind of stuff. And we talk about it a lot on our podcast. And this is the kind of stuff where, you know, listen, you can, you can instill as much gun control as you want, but until you start talking about the culture and the rot that we have in our culture, I just don't know if, it's ever going to help. You know, it's just not. Well, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I mean, it, one of the other terms that's used a lot, which I think is, is certainly relevant, but doesn't explain as much as I think people want it to, is they keep talking about mental health. Like, Oh, this is a mental health crisis. Yeah. Okay. I, I can go along with that. Provided you tell me what you mean by that. Because I think that a lot of times right. we use mental health to cover up the fact that no, it's also a cultural crisis. Right. There, there is right. there's enough data that we have right now. And this goes all the way back to Patrick Moynihan in the 60s talking about this. When, when you start to have a society which no longer values human life or you have a society mm -hmm. that's built off of uh, postmodernism and deconstructionism where there is no objective truth and there is no objective morality and everything is about self-actualization and, and attaining whatever your highest idea of yourself is. Okay, well, if that's not if that's not actually fostered within certain like moral precepts that we agree on as a society, then you eventually end up with situations where it's like, okay, well, their highest level of self-actualization is hurting as many people as possible. And the moment you come in and tell them that's wrong, they're like, there is no objective morality. Right. They, they went through years of being taught this I, either overtly within our universities or subtly just through the culture or through pop culture. And then we're shocked when people act that out in a way that we didn't anticipate. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, one of the things I got in the most trouble with on that gun speech was I mentioned that if, if you look at if you look at sort of like societal norms that, that really started with the sexual revolution in the 1960s and how we looked at two parent homes and how we just looked at people interacting within society in a, in a sexual nature, all of a sudden is, well, we just want to throw all that out. 
um, you know, that's not chic. That's not stylish. That's old and traditional. And, and we want to throw all that out. And, and of course you can, you know, raise children within single parent homes. And of course, you, and I, and I brought this up that if you go look at one of the most common statistics within our prison system, it's young men growing up in fatherless homes. Yeah. And I got told I right. was a racist for saying that until they found out. Oh that, my gosh. Until they found out that I was predominantly raised by a single mother. And so it's like, look, stop, stop treating us as if we don't know what, what some of the negative attributes of these are. If you have young men that are growing up in an environment where they do not have a positive male role model, that is horrible. Just like it would be horrible if they're growing up in an environment where they don't have a positive female role model. Like there, there's a reason why there's a reason why biology and everything about our human experience points to this. And so I, I think that you have, I think you had a generation of the left and I don't even call them liberals anymore. Leftists mm. that thought they right, could throw right. all of this out and this was somehow um, holding them back. And now we're starting to see what I think you perfectly describe as the cultural rot as a result. Um, so I, I, I don't mm -hmm. think you can get away from objective truth. And the moment you pretend to really bad things happen. You mentioned uh, I'm, I'm January. I'm, you, you mentioned January sixth a little bit ago, and I'm just curious if you're going to be watching the propaganda uh, extravaganza-thon on Thursday night that they've hired an ABC Thursday, producer Thursday. to take mm -hmm. care of. Yeah, no, it's it's a um, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Is this a hearing or a production? Because it looks right? more, it looks a lot more like a production right now. And and look, I think um, the, it's a production. Totally. Yeah. I, and look, it, and it's not that I didn't think that there were questions that needed to be answered about January 6th and what happened and why it happened and, and everything. I thought all of that was I thought that was appropriate to the degree that we were going to have an honest conversation about what went on and how it went on and, and look at it comprehensively, not just, you know, a witch hunt. But clearly that's what it is. Democrats are in huge trouble right now from everything from crime to inflation to what's happening within our schools. And, and, you know, Ukraine, Afghanistan, and they are desperately looking for something that will distract people away from that. And I just don't think they're going to get away with it. And I think no matter how much money they try to pour into this, it's not going to produce the results they want. Because at the end of the day, when someone has to pay five dollars to, you know, for a gallon of gasoline and everything that they're paying for is more expensive. And oh, by the way, their kids are being fed gender ideology in third grade. And when they ask about it, they're, they're told they're bigots. I don't think you're going to I don't think you're going to erase all of that because, you know, you hired a, a really good producer to manage your January 6th hearing. Exactly. Yeah. So naturally, that naturally, what the Biden administration does now is they make their climate agenda an emergency, right? Because that's what everybody cares about right now. You know, moms can't feed their babies, so let's care about the weather. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, the, dumbest, act, it's act, the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, act now, or the yeah. the sea will the, the temperature will rise by 0. 0.5 degrees Celsius in you know a hundred years. <laughs> like, <I> just, <laughs> right. Yeah. By all means, run on. Yeah, because Please. yeah, because. Uh, Right, because a mom, a mom in Nebraska who can't feed her baby really gives a crap about that right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's unreal. It's just unreal what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. think it's, it's so, significant. Um, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I, I agree. I think it's completely out of touch. But when you when you've bought into that kind of you know again leftist ideology, um, they their answer is always mm -hmm. to double down on it no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I love, um, you know, your view on abortion is really, um, I say it's refreshing because you don't hear a lot of guys talking about abortion. There's a lot of women, there's a lot, you know, like us, we, we talk about abortion a lot and people will say, well, you don't get to have an opinion about abortion because you're a dude, 
you know, so it's, it's really nice seeing your videos and how you, you get out there and you talk about abortion. I especially like the one video where, um, where you talked about putting an individual in a box and pumping it full of saline and people thought you were talking about a terrorist or whatever. And you're like, Nope, I'm not talking about a, a terrorist or a prisoner. I'm talking about a saline abortion. And the, the, what, how you did that, the, how you did that and how you juxtapose that. And you put somebody in a position where they were like, Oh crap. Now I'm, yeah. I'm forced to actually think about what it's like to, or at least to think about a saline abortion. Um, it, it makes people understand how awful it is, how absolutely horrific it is, which people aren't forced to do all the time. And so I, I really, I, I thought that that was brilliant how you did that. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. And, and first things first, when everyone says you're, you're not allowed to have an opinion on abortion unless you're a dude, I immediately respond with, how dare you assume my gender? Like, that's, um, <laughs> that's really, really big. Um, because again, I, I, I think if they want to create these rules, they're supposed to live with them when it doesn't actually fit their, their end state. But, um, but to your point, I, I yeah. got so to give so much credit to people like Gianna Jessen and Melissa Oden who are abortion survivors and have been strong enough to create this network where people are finally able to come out there and share their specific stories. And, um, you know, my, my own mom, who's a nurse and, um, you know, got pregnant with me when she was in college and, and ended up having to drop out. And she had a lot of people encouraging her to get an abortion. And it's one of the reasons why I tell people, I, I don't know what it's like to be a young woman in that situation, but I know what it's like to be her son. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that the problem is, and, and, this is a really interesting like psychological component to this entire debate because it was never going to be good enough. We all remember when Democrats used to say safe, legal, and rare. And that was never going yes. to be their long-term argument. It couldn't be. And the reason right. why it couldn't be is because ultimately what we're actually talking about is the destruction of innocent human life. And you're not going to get away with saying, mm -hmm. well, it's sometimes it's a necessary evil. They had to, they had to turn it around and make it a women's rights issue. And then they had to actually celebrate it. Um, and, and it's, it's yeah. curious if you look back in history when people have come up with some very, very inconsistent, bad reasoning in order to deny people such civil liberties, whether it was to black Americans, whether it was to um, Japanese Americans during uh, internment, whether it was denying women the right to vote, you look at the sort of arguments that they had to make. And there was always this, there was always this process where at one point it was just hey, we're stronger and we can impose our will and that's what we want and so we're doing it. And that wasn't good enough. So it had to be, you know, different reasoning later on until finally you got to the point and, and it, it follows this pattern in history where you get to the point where like, no, 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 we're doing this because it's actually a good thing. And that's the stage that we're at with respect mm -hmm. to the abortion argument and they never want to talk about what the actual procedure does. Right, so, yeah. So they're always going to yeah. use different terms. They're always wanting to use different, uh, you know, analogies or, 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 uh, circumstances, which they think they might be more, they can get more sympathy for mm -hmm. bodily autonomy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's never want to talk ridiculous. about what it actually is. And, and I, I first used that argument about describing what I I said, look, I'm going to describe an enhanced interrogation technique. And I want you to tell me if you're okay with it. And I, I set up the story of like, look, bad terrorist. We've caught this guy, this guy. And, and I was actually using someone that we had caught as an example of this, who had put suicide vests on children, who had put suicide vests on, on uh, mentally handicapped females and run them in the crowd. And, and we catch this guy and we know he's got a network. 
here's this interrogation technique that we can use. And I described that and I said, can, would it be okay? And they said, absolutely not. That is, that is inhumane. That is horrible. There are certain things that we as an enlightened civilized population would never accept. I said, okay, good, good. I agree. I don't think we should do it either. Oh, by the way, I didn't just <laughs> describe an enhanced interrogation technique. What I just described was a saline abortion. So is it, is it still okay? Is it okay now? Right. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. they switch. Like, see, I'm at least gonna, I'm at least gonna force you to come face to face with the intellectual inconsistency mm -hmm. of your view of humanity. I'm at least gonna force you to do that. And I think that's why they put so much stock in the idea that this isn't really a, a human, this isn't really a child. The, the science destroys that argument. And yet they continue to insist on it or to try to find other avenues because ultimately one day they are going to come, they're going to have to come face to face with what it was they were actually advocating for and what the implications are mm -hmm. of that, not just for a child in the womb, but how we view the sanctity of human life, period. And so, yeah. yeah. So Again, how, do we, that, how, how do we get you on a bigger platform? I know you've had a couple runs at, at some national mm -hmm. national level, federal level offices. Do you need to move to a different state? Like, <laughs> how do we get you to where yeah. you need to be to make Especially, changes that are really positive for the entire country? Right. Well, I, I mean, Especially I, because I because I heard Nick that you want to abolish the federal income tax, and so I was like, he either needs to like become my best friend, or <laughs> he needs to get to the higher. We need to get him up there because that needs to happen. That needs to totally happen. But honestly, yeah, I get you there. No, I, I appreciate that. And and I, I really do. I genuinely appreciate that. But honestly, I think so what we're trying to do with like making the argument and the why minutes and, and the other stuff that we do um, and, and trying to do what you guys have been doing, because I, I honestly believe that's where the biggest problem lies. I think part, part of the issue that we have right now is that we become um, even on the right, it's, it's like we're waiting for someone to show up. And I'm not saying you guys are doing this, but like we're waiting for someone to show up that is going to fix this. But the real problem starts with the cultural rot that you described. And, and the fact that for so long now, the right, uh, you know, we still, we still engaged in politics, but I think we kind of grow up assuming that we're a center-right country and so we'll be okay. And what we've learned is that when you don't have heavy influence within the cultural institutions, within the um, academic institutions, within lower education, you know, like, uh, like primary and secondary education, when you don't have any influence in that, you're one generation away from losing the argument politically. And yeah. so one of the things that yeah. I've always been very appreciative of what you guys do and what other people are, are doing within that cultural environment is that you're, you're making, you're making a larger argument to people that desperately need to hear it, need to understand it so that they can feel confident in defending it. Because ultimately this is not going to be solved by just the right person in the right political office. The way that we're going to win this long-term is by once again re-engaging with the culture and having this groundswell of support for the sort of principles and ideas that we believe in. And, and whereas political leadership is very, very important to that, it's only one aspect and we cannot put too much faith in that one aspect. That there has to be that accompanying argument made within popular culture, within the arts, within the entertainment, within the music industry, within media, within academia. Uh, it has to be a comprehensive approach. Otherwise, we're, we're just going to totally rely on one thing and hope it works. And it just won't. This is this is so much more of a, a bigger battle for hearts and minds. Yeah. yeah, I do agree with that. I agree with that. And I, I think that um, conservatives are starting to make a dent there because like the like, for instance, the Daily Wire is a massive conglomerate now massive. And they've done that 
you know, pretty organically over the past couple of years, just like, you know, we're just, we're small potatoes, but you know, and we, and we have an organic following, but people follow us. Right. And it's organic, but like, I see the daily wire, they are massive. And so people are, and they have more hits than like all the MSNBCs and all the, you know, all the, the ABCs and people like that. So, you know, that people are listening to them and watching them because they want to, they want, they are hungry for that information. And it pisses like the people like the Joe Scarboroughs and all those people off because they're talking about them. And they're like, what can we do to squelch them? What can we do to change the algorithm? What can we do to make sure that these people don't have a platform? That makes me realize that conservatives are starting to try to turn that tide and they're doing it because you know, I feel like there's a pendulum, right? There's a pendulum. And that pendulum for a long time was on that that left swing. And I feel like it's starting to kind of come back a little bit because people are fed up. People are fed, conservatives and libertarians are fed up with so much of the crap that they see in this country because they don't recognize it. Yeah. And so well, I, I think that I, I agree with you 100 percent, Nick. I do. Yeah, I, th I think you're spot on. Well, and again, I think you guys help facilitate that. Right. That, that's it's this idea that. Um, <laughs> so here's the example I like to use, because I, I think Daily Wire has done a good job. I think organizations like the Tuttle Twins, there, there's other ones, too, that are going yeah. out there and in that totally. space. Um, but here's an example I like to use. Do you remember watching Christian movies in the 80s? Nobody watched them because they were good. You watched them because you had to because they were a Christian movie, right? But the production right, right. was horrible. Yeah. The acting was horrible. But, you know, hey, it's got yes. right? Well, now, yeah. when, when I look at the quality of Christian movies or Christian music, and when I look at the quality of conservative entertainment, I'm looking at this like, I'm watching this because it's good. And I love the fact it's good. that it reinforces yeah. my values or at least doesn't insult them. Mm. And and that yeah. is a and, and that's what we've been lacking. And I think you're right. We've gotten so much better at it, but we've gotten better at it. We've we've made these inroads because like people like you guys decided that we're gonna do something, we're gonna do it in a way that is informative, but it's also like fun to listen to. And and it's yeah. And we, we had a lot of people on the right for the longest time that thought that we were gonna win this argument through white papers. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank and spreadsheets. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what we're missing. Like, like, oh right. And, and not to say that that's not yeah. important work, but it's probably not your front facing work. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Good Agreed. And and entertaining based off of that really good data. But let's not lead with it. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so what's, what's, what's next for you, Nick? Because I know you've got the, the two, you've got two different podcasts, right? or two different, one podcast and another project that you're working on, where is the best place for people to hear more from you, to see more from you? Well, no, I appreciate that. We're, we're all, I mean, if you type Nick Freitas into social media, I mean, we show up on, on Twitter and Instagram and, and, and even TikTok. Don't tell the Chinese. And then, um, <laughs> you know, and, and everyone, and, and <laughs> yeah. part of the way we did all of that across all those platforms, because we said is that any, if there's a platform, we want to compete on it. We, we want to be a conservative voice there. Yeah. Making, making the argument is one of our, there's two kind of like flagship shows that we do. One is making the argument. And the best way I can describe making the argument is it's kind of a round table discussion, but I cannot tell you from serving in the legislature and from making these arguments on the floor of the house of delegates, I can't tell you how many people came up and said, like, I appreciate what you have to say because I, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff and, and I don't know how to respond. Like I know it's wrong but I don't know quite how to respond to it. And who could blame them? Who I love thought, it, yeah. 
who would ever thought we'd have to argue that no, actually, only women can get pregnant. Like, <laughs> right. We're, we're not prepared for that argument because it seems so obvious. So what we said we wanted mm -hmm. to do on making the argument was we wanted to take these difficult issues. And we wanted to have that sort of roundtable discussion so people could see the interaction, the discussion we're having. And then we always stop at one point. And we say, OK, here's the argument. And we give like a three to five minute explanation and breakdown. And we wanted something that was going to be intellectually rigorous. Because one of the biggest problems that I think we have, and I see this a lot with conservative parents that will come up to me and like, Nick, I don't understand what happened to my kid at college. Mm. And one of the things that we try to reinforce with that is like, look, um, you know, a lot of times the problems with conservative is we, we engage in prescription. We tell our kids what to believe or we tell people what we believe, but we, we're not taking the time to actually explain why it makes sense and why it's not just the economically yes. more viable way to do it, but why it's actually the most compassionate way to do it. Um, I believe in free yes. markets and all this, not just because I believe in, a, you know, it, it's better for attaining greater wealth. I think it's actually the best system to actually encourage human flourishing and, and individual expression and creativity. Mm -hmm. And if we, when we make those mm -hmm. arguments, I think they're successful. Um, so that's making the argument. It's it, give us, give us an hour of your time, right? We even do chapters so you can fast forward to the part where you're like, give us an hour and we will help That's awesome. People. With the, okay. the, one is the Y minutes, the yeah. Y minutes is like a, it's, it's actually, a, I really have a lot of fun with this. Um, they're like three minute episodes where we will take something and we will look at it from a, a different angle. And we have, our big thing is to try to provide that aha moment. So we, we did one recently on like, why is Singapore so rich? And we talked about the free market principles that they were able to employ. Uh, we did another one, this one really, oh, some of the green, the green energy or the green, uh, environmentalists did not like this one but we did a whole episode on basically why rockefeller did more to save the whales than greenpeace ever did <laughs> oh and my gosh that's awesome we, we talked about how the primary way that people lit their homes before <laughs> rockefeller right was whale oil and so there's this huge industry surrounding it and as he developed this ability to turn what before had been a nuisance to farmers into something that could allow people to light their homes. Not only did it have like massive economic benefits for the country as a whole and raising people out of poverty and, and more job opportunities, but actually did a whole lot to save the whales because it was no longer economically viable uh, to send out these really expensive whaling fleets um, when, my gosh, I can get kerosene for a fraction of the price. Oh my gosh. So we love looking at issues so like that and I down and explaining them. I love it. I love it. That's, well, that, awesome. that's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. We absolutely encourage everybody to check both of those out. Nick, it has been such a joy. Do Did it. I say your name right? It is Freitas, right? It is. You got it right. Like Okay, hey, good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kids. I thought we had a whole <laughs> we had a whole discussion about your name before we got on the podcast. Like a whole yeah. giant discussion with our producer. <laughs> I had it wrong, our producer had it wrong. Mox's the only one who had it right. So she <laughs> wins. I appreciate it. As, as I tell everybody, though, um, my, my drill sergeant taught me to respond to anything remotely close. So, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> well, we've really That's enjoyed so having you with us. Thank you so much we for did. your time. And we uh, look forward to sharing this. We'll obviously send you, you know, copies of all the clips and stuff, and we'll be promoting it on our social media. Hope you do the same. And we hope we get to talk to you again. Oh, uh, again, completely my yeah, pleasure. Yeah, we hope we do. Yeah, completely my pleasure. Thank you guys again for everything you do. Thank we, you. Yeah, yeah, we'd we'd love to have you again sometime. Thanks so much, Nick. Thank you. Bye. 
once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Nick. And once again, thank you for listening.